I am feeling much better this week than I was last week. I was super tired last week. I've gotten the weekend to recuperate a little bit. How are you guys feeling? I'm feeling good. I don't. I don't have. A, I, I. You know, it's so funny. Someone said uh, all this year with the pandemic, like every little sniffle is like, oh my god, is something wrong? I never even got a cold this year. It's been. <laughs> I never even had like. Because hmm. you wearing a mask ago, all the I time. That's true, right? That's what someone said. That's what someone said. That's absolutely true. The doctor said there's like everything else is really considerably low because of everyone overprotecting. I got like a weird ache in my ribs a couple weeks ago, and I was like, oh, this is it. This is the big one. And it lasted two days, and then it went away. I said to tell, you know, I said to tell everybody I love them. It was nice being here. I'm glad <laughs> things went well on YouTube. Aww. No, but it was fine. I just felt like like an ache in my ribs, and then it went away after two days. And but I can just picture you doing the, the Sanford and Sons thing. Elizabeth, <laughs> I'm coming to see you. It's a big one. Freaking out in your barn. <clears throat> well, I'm glad that was nothing. The weather is nice, and that just makes me excited about life. So I'm feeling good, hmm. doing good. The arm still falling asleep a good 50, 60 times a day. I'm in physical therapy right now. Traction, I think it's getting better. Um, it's not getting better as fast as I would like. The next step is um, I've got a, an order written up for, and I forget what it's called, but they stick needles in you and they shoot you with electricity. And um, I'm not. I'm I'm hoping I don't have to do that, but um, my arm falling asleep sixty times a day is is really annoying. Like it just like I, I have a hard time, especially during the podcast. It goes to sleep constantly. There's something about the way I sit here and look at you guys that it wants to fall asleep. So I'm constantly like raising my arm above my head, and the physical therapist says that relieves the tension off the nerve, which makes it come back alive. So, but. It's not painful. It's just super annoying. But other than that, yeah, everything is 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 good. I am fortunate that I'm healthy. We just did a, my yearly like blood work and stuff, and it's always it always makes me so nervous because you know I I lost my dad to cancer and um, a couple other family members. So every year when I do the blood work test, I'm like, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? Is this it? This is it. This yeah. is over. I'm coming to coming to visit you elizabeth um but <laughs> very very fortunate and just the finally yeah. after getting through the winter and and getting some 60 degree days it just feels like everything is is on the right track no definitely spring is super welcome it's been these few these few warm days that we've had now this thankfully for the moment there's no snow outside which is optimistic and then the other day I woke up, it was like 13 degrees outside. Like two days ago, did you guys wake up to that? <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. It's like, what's going on? It was on? super sunny. It was super sunny. So I'm like in a t-shirt and I'm like, all right, I'm going to head out into the shop. And I was like, oh, we're going to go. We're going to go back in the house and find work to do in there. See, it's funny because like you guys both at least have to walk out of your house to get to your work. Even if it's not far, like David, mm-hmm. yours is, you know, really close, but I can go the majority of a day and not have any clue what the temperature is. Uh, <laughs> I just don't have to go outside. I mean, I often will make myself just, you know, hey, I should go walk the neighborhood or walk in the, go into the backyard and just like breathe outside for a minute. But I'll find sometimes that I kind of forget to do that. And I just don't know what it feels like outside, which is weird and and kind of dumb because it's so nice right now. It's, you know, been in the 50s and 60s here for the last week been really really nice more smoke breaks but (laughs) where you don't smoke (laughs) (laughs) so i just realized that this is episode 299 oh boy oh boy meeting next week next week episode 300 hope everybody has their hotel reservations and their tickets to our giant um what what stadium is it that we're all meeting at it's it's a whole tour right we got shea stadium oh yeah that's right yeah. yeah candlestick park yeah, it's all yeah, one day. Astrodome. Uh it's all next week and uh the the day that we're recording that episode 300 is a secret. So you have to know where it is and when it is to <laughs> actually be there for it. So, you know, if you don't have your tickets already, sorry, you're just going to have to wait for the recorded show to come out like it usually does. So, we'll um get that one to you. Super sports nerds <laughs> will know there. that every stadium that we just mentioned is no longer around. Oh, I didn't know. That. 
You could say hot dog stadium, and I'd be like, sure, that's probably one somewhere. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. I don't even know what sports anyway. you're talking about, so I don't feel stupid. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what have you guys been up to? Anybody making anything cool? I've been pretty busy, thankfully. I, I have this ongoing rocker video, and it's it's woodwork. I think I've said it's not the type. It's not the type of woodwork that I'm used to doing anymore. But I'm <clears throat> way past the hump, thankfully, and it's getting close close to being a finish. But I started playing with uh, epoxies, and I thought to myself, I'm working on this total boat. I'm making the big two big giant stained glass things, and the reason everyone's like, "Why are you making two of them?" So this TV project we're doing, the the this people who are going to be kind of set dressings. There's not really like an art department, but they're like, those would be cool to have in the shop because I have the big shop with sort of the cathedral ceiling. So we're going to hang them at each eve of the shop. And so I'm making seven and a half foot diameter stained glass and I'm mimicking just like the one I made a year ago in real glass with plastic leading. And so uh, talking about the weather going into... The day I woke up Monday, I'm like, okay, I'm going to start. And Monday it was like 15 degrees. I'm like, it's a perfect day to pour resin. Oh. It'll never dry yeah, ever, <laughs> ever, ever. On a cement floor that's been cold since September. It's going to be great. So we, 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 I did pour. We, we CNC'd. We made the frames a couple, maybe like a week ago. So we made the big frames. And, I, and I've been having a lot of fun. I feel like Jackson Pollock just like leaning over, standing in the middle of it, trying to get the resin where it needs to go. And once all the resin colors are poured, you guys can follow this on my Instagram. Once all the resin colors are poured, I'll go back and like repaint the, the face of the black. I might give it all one co- coat of, of one last color. So uh, everything's been drying good, thankfully. There's one. There's two different types of resins. There's slow set and high performance. And the slow set, I had four gallons of that and I had four gallons of the other stuff. So I was like, oh, I'll do one with one and one with the other. It's like, well, I got all the time in the world and I use the slow set and everybody's like, oh man, that stuff really takes a long time to cure. And so about mm. 13, 14, 15 hours later yesterday, it was still, thankfully it gelled, which is a good sign. So a lot of guys make this epoxy stuff and then it just never does anything. And they're like, I'm like, how long has it been? They're like 24 hours. I go, it's not even like gelled a little bit. They're like, nope. I'm like, forget it. He's got to dump it. It's never going to work. But it's gelled and it's it's it went from the consistency of say like like milk as far as its viscosity to like thick honey, which means it's it's actually curing. And by the end of yesterday, some of it was actually considerably harder. The other one, the the high performance epoxy cures. It's it's rock solid and it looks like it's still wet. They both look wet, but one is like soft to the touch and the other one is is rock hard. So. If everything's ready to go by Saturday, I'll be able to pick one of them up. The other one, I'll just leave on the floor for the next month. Pick it up in a month. <laughs> but, <laughs> nice. but it's fun. It's, it's, they look awesome from Instagram. It, they look really, really good. Thank you. It's it's for me. It's been a lot of fun. Just it's been like really artistically fun. Whereas like it's not like cutting metal and welding it together. It's really kind of letting loose and just drizzling color on top of color. And it's been it's been a very freeing experience for me. But we'll see where it goes. And uh, I ran out of resin, so I'm waiting for more resin. That's so today might be a, a, like a down day on the on the project. Go ahead. What's your process for getting the color, getting that stained glass kind of mushy color thing? Well, every one of the colors, for instance, if there's blue, which I, I didn't pour yet, if there's blue, it's blue with white streaks in it. So I'm pouring all the base color in each one of the cells wherever it's needed. And then I go back, and if there's a little bit left over, I try and keep a little bit. So I'll, I'll pour it individually. I'll keep pouring it around. I'll go around and make sure I need this one needs more, this one needs a little more, until it levels. And then I'll go back and, and lighten whatever's left in the bucket, and then go back in and drizzle that in, just like you would drizzle like car- caramel on a cake. I drizzle it in, and then I sweep it in with the stir stick and just let it sit. And gotcha. and then if I need it, like a, even a lighter version of that, or if I can still have some left. I could take that to a different color that's similar to some of the stained glass in the, in the original. And uh, so that's, that's what I'm doing. It's fun. Cool. Yeah. And it's fun. Just like I said, just dripping the, the, the workstation is an absolute mess. I, I did most of the edit last night that I have up till now. And I realized I'm not really showing the mixing. So I'm going to go in when I mix up some more colors and I'll show some details of how messy and just drizzly and drippy it is. It's, it's, it's fun. It's like, I feel like a real canvas type paint artist. 
the first time in a while. I saw you had some good tips with like uh, painter's tape on the sides of your glasses and an extra button on your camera so you don't get everything (laughs) sticky. Because I've definitely run into that with all sorts of materials. Like have to clean off all the glue from the camera after a big glue-up project. It's funny. I I really find myself like when I'm shooting something like this and I don't have – I mean, Aaron's busy doing product for the website and and I'm just kind of off on my own doing this. I I consider not doing shots because I'm like, oh, my hands are covered with goo. All right, I don't need that shot. I'll get it again because there's so much repetitive stuff. I keep saying, oh, I'll get that shot later. And then I looked at it. And I'm like, wow, that would have looked so cool. So <laughs> now my tripod, the handles on my tripod are covered with handprints, all the turn knobs and everywhere I grab my tripod. But that's the tripod. <laughs> that's, that's easily fixable. But the camera itself is not easy to clean. So I'm being real delicate with the camera. So it's, 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 it's fun. Actually, I put the zip ties on the, on the ring, the focus and the pull the zoom and the focus ring brett brett gave me that idea years ago he said they used to do it on the cameras when he was on television production and the uh the main reason is for me is because i can quickly see okay the black one is the focus and the white one is the zoom and i can literally just grab that like handle and space and tether and pull and tug on it and i never have to like grab the camera lens and figure out which ring i'm supposed to touch because i'm always thinking about something else so if i just literally grab and like the zip tie that's hanging in space and I put two of them together so there's a handle on either side of the barrel of the zoom and of the focus and now my hands are covered with goo I'm just grabbing the tip of each one of those zip ties and it's so it's it's great for just regular everyday work but it's really good when your hands are gross hmm. so it's it's a yeah. really really uh and you know like I said I, I credit Brett with that idea so in the future, if you wanted to have that same idea but not actually have things sticking off, you could always just take a colored rubber band and wrap it around the focus ring or something so you know that the red one is always the focus ring. Because that's a thing, when you said that, I was like trying to picture our camera and holding it in my hand and like which one would I grab to do the focus. I know when I'm there, but I have to put my hand you there. You have to feel to, it. You know. Yeah, but and, if you just asked me, I'd be like, eh, I don't know, probably the one towards the front. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And what's, I, I always, I, it drives me nuts. When it comes to zoom, I always grab the zoom and turn it the wrong way first. I want to zoom out, I go bink, and I zoom in. <laughs> yes. I want to zoom in, I go bink, and I zoom out. So on the back of my camera, I have a piece of tape. And on the tape, it just says this way for zoom out and turn it that way for zoom in. And that's slowly mm-hmm. getting me acclimated to like the opposite of my dyslexia where it's like I'm always like, I'll point to the right and say, quick, 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 make a left. And everyone's like, just follow my hand. Just ignore what I say. Just follow my hand. Hmm. And I'll say that to somebody when I'm in the car with them. I'll say, while we drive and I give you directions, just follow my physical actions. Whatever I say out loud, just ignore. Because my gut instinct is to always say the wrong thing out loud, but point the right direction. Because visually, I'm right. Yeah, so same thing with the camera. I'm I'm like, okay, I want to zoom out. I go, doink, and I zoom right in. Doink. But it's a fun uh, project. Oh, there's a deer right outside your window. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a deer uh, watching watching this podcast right now. Um, the dog has oh, not man. noticed it yet. Is otherwise, you'd hear him. Because it's getting like... <laughs> Behind the scenes access. <laughs> <laughs> we, need to, we need to monetize this deer immediately. Um, That's I, right. I got well, uh, cool. something exciting. I got a new enclosed cargo trailer. And it's um, for work stuff and go-karting stuff. It's for go-karting stuff, but I'm going to use it for work stuff. Go-kart, yeah. (laughs) Work stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so uh, yesterday we made a a bench for the the nose of the trailer. So just a simple two-by-four plywood top bench. Um, And we shot the video on that. And it's funny... um, so the inside of the trailer is all OSB. And so I was going to make this bench out of two by fours and just go get a sheet of OSB for the top. And I don't know if you guys have priced construction materials recently, but it's, they've uh, gone it's like way up in price. 200% yeah. more. <clears throat> so, um, you know, we got the two by fours and I'm like, I'm not paying $70 for a sheet of OSB, especially when I need less than half of it. I'm like, maybe I have some plywood at home. And so we go back to the house and then we go into my little storage closet. And the, uh, I did not do this on purpose, but the only sheet of plywood that I had big enough was a piece of walnut plywood. 
And so I talk about it on camera. I'm like, I'm actually saving money by using a piece of walnut plywood for this cargo trailer. So the top is walnut plywood. Um, but it came mm-hmm. out really good. And I also got a one of those, um, uh, like a rechargeable generator thing. So we can, the plan is to not only use the, the trailer for go-karting, but to take the trailer out and have like a little mobile workshop where we can take a trip and go make something in a parking lot somewhere. So um, that's the that's the plan. And so that's a fun little video. And I still, I've got, I'm way behind on editing. I still need to edit the bench inlay video. And then we also got, we also shot a quick video. Um, I got a, a portaband bandsaw and converted it into a benchtop bandsaw. And so we're, it's, uh, I've needed one for so long, and now I finally have one. Just trying to cut straight lines with an angle grinder. It's a its a mess. You have to figure out how to clamp it down. You have to make room. I've, I've been needing a little bandsaw for metalworking for so long. So that's, that's what you know we got who's, going. You know who's really good at that is Laura. Mm. Laura Kampf can like take an angle grinder, and she holds it differently than anybody else I've ever seen, and she has like a different touch to how she scores a really shallow line when she makes a cut, and then she goes back and starts to like follow that line and plunge it. And I've honestly, I mean, ever since I've seen her do that, I've tried to mimic that action because she seems to have like a different kind of, I don't know, I guess, control over mm-hmm. an angle grinder, and she, I, I mean, I've never seen her do it up close, but in the videos, it looks like she can get a really nice, even straight cut with an angle grinder that I have not seen anybody else do. But maybe that's just me. Yeah. So maybe we need to have her do a video all about angle grinding. <laughs> maybe. No, one thing I thought of a long time ago that I that I wanted to do was make a little, and I'm sure somebody else has done this, but um, make like a little, like a cross cut. Um, like the opposite of a crosscut sled with an angle grinder. So you have a, a sled where you put the metal in it and then the angle grinder has, it moves back and forth. So I've seen some, yeah, I've seen like a somebody, railing system. I think somebody did that. Maybe it was make it extreme, but somebody did something like that. There's a couple JSK? of guys from mm. Poland that make really cool tools, like really cool improv sort of like, you know, farm style tools. And I think one of the guys from Poland did that. I wish I could remember the name, but um, yeah, these guys that always use like uh, they they make all their projects and they weld them and they always use stick welder, even when they're welding little tiny things. Mm-hmm. You know, those are all like like Eastern European guys that have limited stuff but make incredible. I think I saw one of those guys do a crosscut sled with an angle grinder. Right, I yeah. I, I found one. Um, yeah, angle grinder angle grinder sliding jig by JSK. This mm-hmm. guy, he's pretty amazing. Is he a European or American? Uh, I think somewhere in Asia. I'm, I think um, he doesn't ever show his face, or at least I don't remember that. You only see his hands, and I don't think there's any talking. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. Oh wow, he has some cool stuff. Oh yeah. Dang. Yeah, lots of uh, hand-built tool like complex tools or jigs around power tools to like make them bigger and more usable mm-hmm. huh wow oh yeah okay so he has one yeah I see the the ankle grinder sliding cutting jig that you have that that's pretty awesome mm-hmm. that's way cooler than what I was <laughs> good job <JSK. laughs> the rest of the podcast is just uh, YouTubers react to other YouTuber videos <laughs> oh, just cool. watching nice. and not really saying much yeah. about the videos that yeah. they're watching. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Well, for me, um, I have been working on the kitchen. You know, we I finished up the flooring last week on Thursday, and it was we had friends come in town on Friday. Um, another family that we know is is taking a road trip, so they stopped in. And we had a great weekend with them, and it was really weird to have done uh, like three weeks of, you know, like 12-hour day kind of manual labor, doing the kitchen, tearing out, the rebuilding, the putting on the flooring and all that stuff. 
and it was a lot of work, but it was also weird to get to a point to where there wasn't a full day's worth of manual labor ahead of me. You know what I mean? Like now it starts to slow down a little bit where you have all this, there's still a ton to do, but it's not like this endless list of, well, as soon as I finish this thing, I can go to that thing. Now it's slowed and we have to think about cabinets and we have to think about lighting and we have to think about this and whatever. So it felt kind of weird to do a span of work like that and then all of a sudden just be like, well, I have Friday where I can just not really do much, you know, kind of hang out and spend a weekend with friends. And so it was nice to get to slow down there. Um, and then after the weekend, we've started jumping into kitchen cabinet building. And that's been an interesting thing to, uh, I mean, I've just started them. I made the, uh, the sink cabinet uh, as the first one. But it's also been kind of interesting just to think about, like, how do I present building your own kitchen cabinets to people? Um, what is the, what's the useful part of that that's not exactly what everybody else has already shown? And what are the different options? How many options do you show? Part of that process of thinking about what that video is going to look like has been, and I'm not going to go deep into this, but I just wanted to kind of point out where I've been thinking lately. We're at a point with I like to make stuff where I think there's a, not a fundamental shift, but there's a significant shift coming in how we present the things that we've presented in the past. Because I think it's not worth talking all the way through. And I don't want to be one of those people that's like, here's what we're going to do. Here's the new plan for everything. Cause I don't, I just don't want to do that. But it, this particular video making kitchen cabinets is something that could be completely dry, completely boring and very informational and very efficient. And one of the things I'm finding about myself as I do this longer and longer is that my efficiency can be really good in some places and also be really not good in some places. I think that's the, the big thing that I'm taking away from this. So I'm starting to look kind of step back a little bit, like zoom out a little bit and look at is my efficiency in delivering uh, uh, information or an idea or a problem solving situation, does the efficiency actually take away from what somebody could get out of that? Hmm. And so it's kind of weird. And, and, and that efficiency ties into scheduling, you know, how like we've always talked about how the schedule is so hard to keep up with and part of getting meeting that schedule is forcing yourself to be super efficient part of super being super efficient is maybe like culling video too much and leaving things out that would otherwise be entertaining but they just they're not efficient you know and so I think there's like a lot of downstream effects of me just realizing that like my my tendency to be productive and efficient is I think overall good but I'm starting to see places where that's like maybe kind of bit me in the butt a little bit mm. where it's made me not do the best thing, the the best output, the best quality, the best, the most accessible and useful thing because I'm trying to do a lot. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. I I think, yeah, as I think all the channel, whatever we do, especially when you're you're your own boss, the thing has to uh, evolve. Otherwise, you just get into stuck in this formula, and then it is no longer fun for you because you're just doing the thing that you you've always done. So, I find that the shifts are they re-energize me and makes it helps me enjoy if i'm enjoying what i'm doing that usually comes across in the video so whether you want to say what the shift is or not i think that um they're always important to help you evolve help you become better help you tell the story or whatever you're doing uh in a in a new exciting way and it just adds so much more fun to to what we do yeah, and I think it's one of those, like always, I don't want to make a big change all at once. I don't want to just like somebody comes next week and they're like, whoa, what? Like, wow, this is all different. I don't want that at all. We've always tried to make really small changes over time so that they're not even really noticeable, but people just 
get used to the new things here and there. And so that's still the plan. And I think it may not even be as obvious on the outside. Like the end result to the person watching it may not even be that big of a deal. But I think for us, having a, a kind of a big part of what we do and flipping it on its head, uh, just in the way that we make the videos that we make, I think. And what this really comes down to is us, before things start to happen on camera, thinking a little bit more about why. Like, what is the point of this? What is the thing that somebody could take away? Not like, I need to make cabinets. I'm just going to make some cabinets and show how I'm doing it, which is totally good. And we'll probably still do that in a lot of cases. But there's an opportunity. And one of my, my friend who was visiting this weekend told me this, like, you can zoom out a step and say, what else can can the cabinets be? What 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 else useful to the viewer can you portray while building cabinets mm-hmm. not just how to build cabinets and something as simple as that conversation just you know you got me to say like maybe we just need to put in a step right there that says like step back and, and look and think and expand the idea before we actually start doing the thing doing the thing may end up exactly the same but it has more intentionality you can reach a broader set of people things like that so I guess what I'm saying is I'm making cabinets right now. <laughs> That's what I'm doing this week. But I'm also like not going to sleep, you know, until three o'clock in the morning because my brain is going like, well, how can I redo this? How can I, how can I make this better and bigger? And, you know, what's a way to actually have the effect that I want to have on people in a bigger way, in a broader way, in a more um, succinct way. So... Yeah, that's that's the stuff that I'm trying to figure out. I think the uh, and I'm making a whole bunch of kitchen cabinets. Asking why is a really important question to ask yourself before shooting before shooting the videos, which I think is I think it's going to lead into our topic here. But I don't um, I I don't ask myself why I'm making this video, but I do have like does it, what's different about this particular video i've been there's like a, a series of like three or four questions that i ask myself before making this video like does it meet this new criteria that i have does this fit into the 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 goals that i have now and but i think asking why is really important and um i, I know we're going to talk about exposure today and 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 saying yes to things or saying no to things um but having that the the reason why you do things helps eliminate or choose which video I'm I'm going to do. I'm trying to I'm trying to lead into our into our topic, <laughs> and, and, and in my head there's a connection, but I my mouth is not putting that connection there. Mm. So Mm-mm. Jimmy, bail me out and and lead us oh, into our right. topic. <laughs> well, I was thinking <laughs> lately, it used to be you guys and some YouTubers and even people, if you had, you know, this applies to obviously YouTubers, uh, people that make stuff, people that want to get in the business of making stuff, artists in general. But uh, as far as YouTubers go, you guys remember we would, we used to get, and some of us actually signed up for multi-channel networks. And after all was said and done, they made you all these promises and all they did was just collect information from you. They made you all these promises. And now those have kind of gone away, you know, from the, uh, you know, YouTube, if you're a YouTuber, you don't get those solicitations as much anymore as we all used to. And now it's these Facebook uh, networks that have, we have 425 billion daily views. We have 17 channels and we have things. Can we have one of your videos? And we'll give you credit back to you. And then I go, oh, can you just give me $1,000 for the video? And you can do what you want with it. Yeah. Oh, no, we don't have any money. I'm like, you just told me how successful you were. <laughs> and then you come back and tell me you don't even have enough money to license one video? Yeah, no, we don't. We don't pay for anything. I'm like, okay, then that's a, that's a, a, a no. Uh, okay, thank you. But I get them mm-hmm. all the time. This is the funniest thing. I got one a couple days ago. I could find it and send it to you guys. It's like... Hey, would you be interested? Uh, you know, I want to I want to take videos from your channel and put them on my and use some of them clips in my in my YouTube channel. This is my channel. I am not lying. This is no exaggeration. I went there and there was one subscriber on the channel. Hmm. I said, "You have one subscriber. Why do you want you have one subscriber and one video?" 
They go, yeah, we're just starting. So they're basically <laughs> soliciting. They're just soliciting free content. And then last night, some people who wow. followed my Instagram might have saw me go, uh, hey, does anybody know what the... This might still be a thing. I haven't gotten a good answer. There's a Snapchat television show called Snapchat Discovery, The Knack. Could be real, could be made up, but it's a Snapchat show. And the guy kind of in a, in a secretive disguised way is saying, can I have all your content for free? But it was very clever. The way he said it was, hey, we do this great show where we, we, we highlight artists every episode. Now, the episode could be four minutes long or it could be eight, 10, 12. I don't know. He didn't say. Um, I could obviously go look it up, but I don't have that kind of energy. I don't care that much. But he said... It, we're going to expose you for one full episode. Um, it's real easy. You don't even have to be that involved. Just look through your content, whatever content you want us to show, and we'll do all the editing. You just send over. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, this is cool. Oh, wait a minute. He just wants my content. So he's just going to put all the things that I think are cool because he's asking me to choose them. And then, so that'll be all my content that is obviously draws a big audience or gets the most reaction and i'm going to give him all that content and then they're going to make an expose on me and basically have a video that they get to garnish money from not me i still own all my content i own everything but i'm not in their bank account getting their adsense they are so it's it's like an it's a real manipulative way for someone that's a little naive to not realize oh i'm going to get all this exposure and they're going to make money off my back so they're getting more and more clever with this exposure thing and I just think it's a, my, my general reply is all my video, all my video content is available for licensing. If you're interested, I can get you connected to my agent. And they mostly go away for that. Every once in a while, they'll be like, okay, well, we have a yeah. small budget. And I'm like, all right. And my, my standard answer is $1,000 per video. And they always say, yeah, can't, we don't have that kind of money. But we have 50 million daily views, but we don't have any kind of money. And I said, so you do this for charity or you do this just because you guys are all interested in sitting at the computer all day long? There's no, there's no real answer. So <laughs> the, the, and the reason I, I want to bring this up is just because I often get contacted by fans and people that have small YouTube channels, or even if you just have like a family channel and one thing happens to go viral, then you immediately get contacted by all these people. It's like, it's, it's like the modern version of, uh, what was that Bob Saget show? America's Funniest Home Videos. So it's like a modern version yeah, yeah. of America's Funniest Home Videos where you might create a viral clip and then immediately someone will take it and get the rights and then give you... If you if you have a video that's making a viral splash, you're going to make money on it. And if you put anybody between you and that money you're going to earn, all it's going to be is less money. There's no way it could be more money. So a lot of people always come, I have this video, it's got like 3 million views, and I have all these people asking me, they say they can make me money with it. I go, they can make themselves money with it, they're just counting on your naivete to say, oh, that's wonderful, they're going to license it all around the world. All they're going to do is exploit it and give you less than what you would have made if you just had it sitting on your channel alone. Now, there might be people that would argue with me that you can do that, but the 99.99% of the people that are coming after you are just wanting to get between you and the pay so they could take a piece of it. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you brought up the point of America's Funniest Home Videos. That is the exact same model. I mean, people want the the coolness of, uh, wanted, the coolness of being on TV in the 80s and 90s. And so they, you know, submit your clip to the thing. And somebody on that show would win, I think it was $10,000 for having like the best clip. One person. And the other people on that show, all the people that were in the running for that, <laughs> yeah, they made the ratings, which made the network... Uh, ad revenue from showing ads from companies. I mean, that's how TV works. You know, I'm not, that, that's just how it is, but it's the same principle. It's just in a different kind of setup, you know? And and I will say that, you know, your point of having all these people come and ask for something for exposure, it feels like one of those may turn into something one day and they may, but also you, if you don't do that, if you don't like allow your content or whatever it is you make to go out for free over and over and over when somebody does actually show up with money to pay for it they get they will pay you more if it's exclusive to them um or you know you just may have a different set of options if your stuff is just not out there for free and i hate to throw this out there but like these people all talk 
<laughs> these companies even ad uh, you know agencies talk and so if you do something at one cost in one place everybody else can find out about that and so like if you take a really cheap ad or a free this because it seems like a good deal then uh, another ad agency can find that out and they can find well I mean I guess I could go to to Bob or Jimmy or whoever with a free thing and they'll probably take that one too I don't even have to offer pay because that's what they did last time I know this for a fact because we've run into cases where certain advertisers work with multiple agencies you know a lot of big companies will have a single agency you know, Coca-Cola has a single agency of record that they deal with somebody like Casper or Audible you know they they have tons of agencies that they they send out money to and then those agencies go find people to do the ads and yeah they, i'll get solicited by agencies, two agencies in the same week for the same ad yeah for the same ad. raid shadow legends good grief how many different <laughs> agency names have i seen come through with all the raid shadow legends emails but my point is when you do one of those you pick up a casper ad or whatever for x dollars and then you try to go to a different agency and kind of get twice that amount. Like it doesn't fly. You've already been branded. They can they can find out from each other what you've spent. So the same applies if you're doing something for free. Um, so if you, you know, give your videos to super awesome videos, Facebook company DIY whatevers, then their network of 400 channels that they have on Facebook will contact you separately and ask for the exact same thing. You know. So it really doesn't, depending on what your goals are, depending on what your your main reason for doing this and what you want to get out of it are, go, I don't know, I stumbled there. Depending on what your goals are, <laughs> it may or may not be a good thing to do just for exposure. But I think generally, I totally am on board with what you're saying. I think the exposure is far less useful than doing it for free for the love of it or going after actually getting paid to pay your bills with the thing. Now, we, we, we might have covered this in dribbles and drabs over the last 300 episodes, but when you're a small creator or a small Etsy shop or somebody like that, there, there are calculated risks. I, and I still do it. There are calculated opportunities where you say, hmm, should I do this for, you know, maybe the budget isn't where it should be, but, you know, it's, it's some pay and I get a good, I'll get a good story out of it. Uh, example would be last year, just before COVID hit, I made that metal stool for Shaquille O'Neal. A couple things going on at play. It was for a friend of mine who owned the toy company. He's an old friend who used to give me tons of business. And he, he knew that I would make a video. And so he's like, hey, can I got paid? I can't remember. I think I got paid four or $5,000 for that. But there was this whole conversation about making more of them and, you know, doing something with Shaquille. It didn't really go that way. Obviously, COVID kicked in. It literally, like, that video dropped, like, the end of February and then COVID. And so his business really suffered because of it. My friend's toy company that was licensing Tonka and Shaq was going to be the face of his Tonka business. And so I knew I going into this, I might not even get paid because Jay's an old friend. At the very least, I'll get a picture of my stool with Shaquille O'Neal sitting on it, which to me was really like, mm. I say, that is the worst case scenario. And that's okay for me. And after all was said and done, Jay threw me, I think I said, I think he threw me 5000 for that. But people see that and they're like, oh my God, you're working for Shaquille O'Neal. It's so much more complicated than that. It was an old friend. It was metal work that I haven't done. There's a couple tools that I've been wanting to use. And it looks cool. It's a cool Tonka brand. It kind of goes back to my toy roots. And then going into that toy show, which again was just before the world changed, my brother said everybody at the toy show was like, oh, my God, because a lot of the guys know me. They're like, oh, my God, Jimmy made this for Jay's company. Shaquille, this is great. It's going to get 400, 300, 400,000 views on YouTube. This is a great opportunity. What other toys can we do this sort of thing with? What other brands can we do a build to get a viral video with? And I thought, you know, that would have been great hadn't the world changed. You know, maybe it wouldn't even have worked out. But there were a couple of things at play. Friend, cool picture, blah, 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 blah. So that's the type of thing where I look at it and I go, you know what? I have to make a video anyway. There's a space here that yeah. needs a video. I'm doing it for a couple of reasons. But for the untrained eye, they think, oh, my God, Jimmy's working for Tonka. Tonka must be a billion-dollar company now. They've been around for 40 years. But it's not exactly – it doesn't always play out the way people assume. And then there are people that come to me and say, 
can you make this for exposure? Bah, 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 bah. And I just say, nope. This is how much I get paid. Yeah. You know, because I have no emotional connection to them. Not an old friend. There's no history. There's not anybody that I know involved. My brother was involved with the Tonka stool thing. So, and then I just say, the price is this. And they go, oh, that's, can you see it in your kind heart to do it for free? I'm saying, no. This is the yeah. price. Well, and there's like a, there's a risk reward there too. Like, you know, sometimes doing, um, I, I don't know how much work that stool actually was, but you could say, well, the payoff could be nothing. It could be something, but the work is like a week's worth of work or a day's worth of work or whatever, you know, like it's not that big of a deal in that case. And so that makes it worth the shot. Sometimes if somebody wants you, like uh, somebody, we were talking about the guitars that we made recently and somebody said, well, like maybe you should make a guitar and sell it. I'm like, there's no way <laughs> that I would have to charge $100,000 for that guitar for me to be, you know, like motivated enough to actually do that, to then put out into the world. And nobody would pay 100000 is, uh, you know, hyperbole. But there's no way somebody would want to pay the amount of money that I would want to get to put that work in again to make a guitar. And so for somebody to come to me and say, like, can I give you $1,000 to make a guitar? No, absolutely not. It's just, it doesn't make sense. It's like somebody asking you to build a house for 100 bucks for them. You wouldn't do that because the reward you're getting for the amount of work that you're going to put in doesn't make sense. The same could be said if it was like, well, you know, what about if we put the house that you're going to build for free, we put it on House Hunters on HGTV and like, you know, is that going to do something for you? Like, no, it's it's still not going to do anything for me. Um, but then at the same time, like if I kind of look at the way I loan money to people, I've had friends who needed money in the past. When I give somebody money, I don't plan on getting it back. Otherwise, I wouldn't give them the money. Right. Like what you you'd, you can look at it however you want to. You, it's your money. You can handle it however you want to. But if I'm going to give somebody money, I'm giving them money. If they get the chance to give it back to me. Great. Well, that's that's good. But I'm not going to like hold somebody to that. Bob, let's talk after the show. I need to borrow some money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give out money often. I'm not saying that. Let's be really clear, especially not to you two. <laughs> but, but imagine the exposure that you'll get out of it, though. <laughs> Jimmy's going to go around and be like, yeah, Bob gave me money. <laughs> I'm going to tell everybody I know. But there are yeah. calculated anyways. risks. You really have to decide. Like, sure. You know, if this is a dumb thing, but, you know, like I always say, the local coffee shop, we were talking about it before. Hey, can you make all the tables in my coffee shop? And you end up making the tables for, you know, just cost, for instance, because you want the exposure. If you have zero business and it's an opportunity and you want to change your life, you, it might be a good opportunity. It's a place where a million people are going to see your furniture. And if you let that owner say, tables made by call this number and then you have an opportunity you know everything is it's it's obviously an ongoing negotiation but when these giant corporations come to you and say hey we love that video clip of your son tumbling down the stairs we can get it but i i highly urge you just to leave it just to leave it alone don't do anything because the, all they are is another it's a filter between you and the amount of money it makes and then sometimes they'll they'll take it off the channel and you they, like you know there's a deal like that where it's like oh I can't show it on my channel anymore because I struck the most horrible deal and then this video clip goes viral and then you're like yeah that used to be mine oh I see that it is your but now I don't mm-hmm. you know I don't have any I get a fifty cent check every couple of months I I have another calculated so, thing after you I want to talk about the TV show I talked about this week my old TV show but Bob go ahead. Well, I think if you are going to do anything like that, if you are going to give your content to somebody, making sure that the contract is legit and non-exclusive would be my recommendation for somebody. And I will—I was going to say before that that Ben Ueda will would have an, a polar opposite opinion to this because I've heard him say so. Like he, anytime somebody wants to take a piece of his content, maybe not—I'm uh, not going to speak for him—but I've heard him say in the past that anytime somebody wanted to like take his video and remix it and put it on Facebook with attribution. Like, sure, why not? Because it's spread. Right. And that is absolutely one way to look at it. You yeah. know, like maybe, like you've said before, Jimmy, it just takes one one bite from the right person, one person to see the video, even if it gets a few views, one thing can make a big difference. So 
Yeah. Well, you know, I guess I'm 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 trying to be devil's advocate here for what we're saying is it we could be completely wrong in some situations. Right. Maybe the exposure is the thing you need. And then the other thing around you talking about the coffee shop thing. Part of that calculated risk is looking at the potential gain uh, from the specific situation. Right. If I go in my small town and the coffee shop says, hey, make all the tables for a coffee shop. Okay, well, that's a maximum 200,000 person throughput. If everybody in my area went through this one coffee shop, which won't happen, you know, you have that many eyeballs on it. Now, if a coffee shop in New York City says, make all of our tables, well, that's a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. You know, your pool of potential connections and potential buyers or whatever goes up exponentially. So, But I would say New York City has more of a soulless approach to that coffee shop. To them, it's just a terminal to just stop. Mm. Whereas a small town, I think you would get, I mean, that's my personal gut. I think you would get more yeah. of a, you know what I mean? Where where it all depends on the showcase and how it's presented. And, and but, again, right. if you can put a plaque on the wall or business card at the counter tables made by whatever it, it all depends but you're right you definitely get more eyeballs in a manhattan shop and it does only well, take one so it is a calculated yeah. risk. You get, let's say it takes one person and that like for instance i remember when taylor she's in a couple of showrooms and they don't do a great great job some of them and she's really frustrated with a couple of them <clears throat> but one day we got contacted by a hotel company and they're like yeah we might need like we might need like 300 chairs because they want chairs for all the rooms and they're like, where did you see it? We saw it at the showroom. And that's the showroom she was frustrated with. It didn't happen. It didn't go through ultimately. But, you know, we were looking at making three to 400 chairs for a hotel, you know. Hmm. And they, each one would have been handmade custom. Obviously, we would have figured out a factory situation to get through them in a timely manner. And that's what we started immediately doing research on. And, and that, that potential is still there. In the meantime, she still sells, you know, two or three or, or six at a time to interior designers. So it does always take one good opportunity. There's a good point there. The exposure might expose you too much because now you have this commitment of making 300 chairs as opposed to doing what you normally do is making a couple of, of chairs. And what what is it that you really want to do? Do you is there do you really just want to make money or do you really want to make stuff that you enjoy making? Because after you make 300 chairs, you're not going to enjoy making that chair anymore. And it is going to seem like you're, you're, you're a factory just spitting things out. I'm dealing, it's so incredible. I'm dealing yeah. with a company right now. I don't want to say the name, but I'm dealing with a giant corporation right now. And it is unbelievable. And I'm working with a friend on it and I'm doing my friend a favor. And I said to my friend, I've made five times more money <laughs> on just like three emails than I'm about to make with this and the amount of time and energy I'm putting into this. And I basically told my friend, I said, we're pulling the ripcord. I said, I am done. I'm done with conversations. I'm done with emails. I'm done with group Zooms about how to market stuff. I'm done. I said, I can't take it anymore. I said, Mm -hmm. if we don't get to the next step this week, I am done. Our contract was from January 1st to to, uh, April 1st. And now here we are, two weeks away from April. We still haven't gotten any money on the contract that they were supposed to, because it's such a giant corporation. There's portals and affidavits and billings, and it, there's so many things to fill out. I said, I'm done. I used to work for, for Viacom all the time, doing like props and stuff for you know VH1 and MTV. They went to this portal thing. And I said, once I got through it to get my last pay portal to get into the pay system, I said to him, I go, my buddy who was working, I said, don't ever call me again unless you plan on paying me with a check the day you order the job. Because it took months. And this is a situation. It's this giant corporation with this portal system where like the whole, like the people you talk to have absolutely nothing to do with the pay. And they think you're going to be okay with it. Like, well, that's not our department. I'm like, no, I'm talking to you. Mm. The job is with you and it's for pay. Well, that's not our department. It's that's the, the pay accounts payable. I'm like, I don't care. Like our conversation is affected by the fact I'm not getting paid. You can't disconnect me from that because you're disconnected from it. Hmm. That's a good point. You know, so anyway, that's I'm just venting some frustration. But what I was going to say also, another point I was going to bring up is I did the show Hammered. We got paid. I did all, all my shows. You sign a contract. It's like, do you not want to do this? I mean, you look, you look, you think to yourself, I'm going to do this and then I'll get my AOL commercial. That's how t- you know, AOL is AOL still a thing. 
I'm going to do this and I'll get my Home Depot, uh, you know, association or I'll get my Lowe's association. So in the back, back in the day when I did Hammered and when we did Trash to Cash, at those times, I was really just like, hey, I want to get into the TV business. At least this feels like fun and interesting things to do. And you get to have fun, you know, while you're doing it. So the other day I Googled on Apple TV looking for making it, you know, Nick and Amy show. And I found that Hammered. My old show with HGTV is is on Apple TV, or at least it's available through Apple TV. And I showed Instagram, and right away I said, you better get a lawyer, boy. You're getting robbed. You're getting ripped off. You're getting robbed. <clears throat> and the contract, because I, I didn't know, and I just made it clear, I get these emails from time to time. They're like, hey, I saw Hammered on it, and I, I, let, I let it play through all 20 episodes so you get the money. I'm like, I appreciate that, <laughs> but <clears throat> I appreciate that, but I don't get any money. How? Oh, my God, you're getting robbed. You're getting ripped off. It, for me, it was just a moment in time in my career that happens to live on in film, which is great because people see this, they research me, they realize I'm 25 years older now, and they're like, oh my God, he's got all this <laughs> other content that I'm interested in looking at. And he has a beard. That's weird. So for me, I'm totally okay with the fact that I did that show when I did it. I got paid a lot of money at the time. You know, For me at the time, it was a lot of money. And it would still be a lot of money. I mean, I think for every episode of Hammered, I got like three or $4,000 an episode. Plus, we got a big lump of money in the beginning, like maybe twenty or $30,000 because we came to them with the idea. And for us, it was a lot of money. But by them giving us that lump of money, they basically bought the idea from us. And it's fine. There was no other negotiation. People said, you should have gotten a lawyer. I had an entertainment lawyer. He comes back to you and he says, this is the deal. That's it. If you don't like this deal, then they'll just go to the next guy that will sign a deal like this. So there are moments in time where people say, oh, you signed a bad contract. I didn't sign a bad contract. I signed the only contract because I've also been I've been in, I've been at points where you push back and then it goes away. And then you go, did I do the right thing? You go, you know what? If, they, if it goes away, that's fine. There have been moments where I've pushed back because I didn't like the contract. And then in time, you realize it was the only contract. There was no negotiation because yeah. these corporations are so much bigger than you. And I'm fully, fully aware of the fact, and I talked to a lot of producers about this. I was like, the networks just do one season shows. They don't want two seasons. They'll just go to another group of six people or five people, do the same thing, have the same profit margin. And then when those people get a little uppity and they want, they want their money because they think they're catching success, sweep them off and do another first season of a show that I firmly oh, yeah. believe that that is what the networks do. They're not looking for longevity. And when it's a runaway hit that they have no control over, that's when they go, okay, let's acquiesce to this situation. But if it's a mediocre hit, they'll go, all right, that was fun. Let's just do it again. That was cool. Let's do it again. That was fun. Let's do it again. They have no interest in season two and three and four. I think that same thing applies to like what we were talking about in the beginning of these companies coming and asking for, your your videos or your Instagram posts or whatever the thing is that you're you're doing. Um, if you say no because they don't want to pay you, <clears throat> they have a pool of a billion other content creators that they can also go ask for exposure. So even though they are making money on the back end from the content that you give them, you are replaceable, just like you're saying with TV. Like, if you say no, they're going to go to somebody else and somebody else will say yes because people want to have exposure. People want to get in front. So you have to, I mean, you have to assume that that's going to happen. If you don't give them your video, they're going to go ask for somebody else's <laughs> video and they're going to use that one instead. They're making money on it either way. Are you making money on it either way? Does it matter if they go to somebody else if you're not going to be making anything from it? You know. So put yourself in this mindset. Me and my brother tried pitching a show. It's two years later. We had we had no success selling any shows. Finally, HGTV comes to us and says, "We really love the show. We found this videotape you left with us a year ago. Literally left a videotape at the meeting a year ago. They finally popped it in the VCR like 12 months later, and they were like, "Hey, we really like this show." Uh, we were calling it Making It with John and Jimmy DeResta. That was the name of the show. You could find it on my YouTube channel. It ended up becoming Hammered. Again, my brother's doing what he's doing. I'm doing what I'm doing, making interior design stuff. Not extremely happy, but making my own way. And now, hey, do you guys want to make $13,000 a month doing a TV show for 26 episodes for the next year and a half, having fun? Oh, you won't own any of it, but you, you have this opportunity to really have a really fun resume 
And you learn all about television production, production companies, the dynamic between the production company and the network. I mean, this was the first time I was that intimately involved. The first show we did was was uh, Trash to Cash, which we weren't that involved in, in, you know, the behind the scenes stuff. You know, everything is my creation. The end of the day, the show wasn't a, 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 a hit hit, but here it is, whatever, 13 years, 14 years later, and it's still it's still out there. You can still find it. You can still watch it. And to many people who find it, they think it's fresh content. They think that it was filmed last year because of the way it's like, hmm. you know, because of the way it's, unless you don't, unless you know me, you look at it, you're like, who's this guy's got a baby face, you know? Now he's an old man with gray hair and his beard. But it's, it's content for whoever owns it. <clears throat> and for me, it's just part of my resume. And I'm happy with it. I'm totally okay with it. And like I said, when that deal came across the table, it wasn't negotiable. It's like this is this is as far as we'll go. This is what we've acquiesced for you. If you guys don't like it, that's fine. <laughs> we'll go make a show with a couple of other idiots that will sign it. So <laughs> the reason I bring that up is so many people are like you need to get a lawyer to sue. You can't. It's the same reason Dave Chappelle got mad at Netflix because they did a deal. His TV show is completely disassociated from him. The only thing it has in common with him is his face. He has no legal rights to it. He has nothing to do with that show anymore. It was taped. It was done. Now it's an entity on its own. And like I said, the only they thing that has that. in common with him they is his likeness. Everything else is completely not his property. Yeah. They did, yeah, because he got mad. Yeah. He has the power to be able to flex his muscles like that. The rest of us don't, though. And that's the important thing is, like, if you're going to give your content to other these companies... Uh, that's what I was saying earlier about the contract and about making sure that it's non-exclusive and it's, you know, it's a legit contract that's not only in the other person's favor because you want to make sure that you're not losing rights to the the thing that could be, I mean, whether it, it turns out to be profitable or not, like if you, if you're giving something away, it's gone. You have to be okay with that. Like I was talking about the money or you just you need to be more careful about you know the situation in which you're getting yeah one of the issues that i have of giving away content or designs is you are no longer in control of how it is used and how you will be presented because uh you know we all work on our our personal brand and then all of a sudden if you give this facebook company your your stuff they can edit it any way they want, they can make you look silly. They can go totally against your brand. And even, or if, if you're designing chairs and you design 300 chairs for this hotel chain, and all of a sudden this hotel chain is in a scandal and you're connected to them, that hurts you personally. So you just, I like to be careful about how my content gets out there because then I, 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 I just, I want to be able to, uh, I just want to have control on how people perceive me, you know? Yeah, and there's a trade-off there. Like you, you know, sometimes it's worthwhile, sometimes it's not to have that risk out there. Any anything else we want to cover, Jimmy? You got something else? One one more thing about when you said with Ben, when Ben gives his content away, I totally, I can totally vibe with that, and I agree with that in many ways. Which is the main reason why I put my name on everything. Because as much as I, and I'm not, I'm not extremely anal about trying to control all my content. My content gets stolen on. Instagram and uh, rather on you uh, Facebook constantly and I control what I can I get paid by a company that handles some of it but still there are co- like for instance this is another funny story company reached out to me the other day they said hey we'll be, be able to license your content from you and I was like I go no not really I don't do that I was like but if you want this is the number wow that number's that number's really big I said 5,000 just to get rid of them and then while I was going back and forth they actually were engaging with me I went to the link that they sent me they had a Facebook page with six videos and one of them was mine. And I wrote back, I'm like, you're already using my content without my license. And they're like, oh my God, we're uh. so embarrassed. We're so sorry. We're so, so like, <laughs> they were trying to, so they like, we, we just started our channel. It was ridiculous. So, um, but the point I was making was my content's still going to go straight no matter what, which is the main reason I put my name on everything. And that's, and most people know that. But the main reason my name is on the tools is on the, so you can't crop it out. If you cut out every one of those sections, you're going to cut out the meat of what the video is. And nobody would really go through those lengths. They just put it up. They don't care. Like my video where I restore the gun, it's like 23 million views. It gets knocked off and stolen every single day. 
but my name is in the video so people find me. Hey, I saw this gun video and wow, you really, you're not just a gun restorer that ruins old guns. You actually make cool stuff. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> That's why they come looking for you? Yeah. Just because you're want to see what other old guns I've ruined. Well, I have a story about something similar to that that happened that I'm going to tell in the after show. Oh. And the after show is available to our patrons. <laughs> See what you did there? And our patrons are awesome. You like that? That's a good transition. <laughs> That's very good. Um, our patrons are awesome. Everybody that helps us out over at patreon.com uh, slash making it gets the after show, which is a separate podcast feed, separate little stories and behind the scenes stuff and secret stuff that's coming up and stuff and stuff. Um, but we appreciate everybody over there that helps us out, especially our top supporters, Corey Ward. Sorry, Corey. Corey Ward works. Oh, my goodness. I'm looking at too many names at the same time. Let me start over. Corey Ward. Albers Woodworks. Works by Solo. See, there's a lot of works in there. Chad from Mancrafting. You can make this too. Fun kiss. Art kiss. Art, oh, I know. I'm enjoying this. today. Anybody else? <laughs> Keep going. You're doing great. Oh, I'm sure you are. Fun kiss. Artistic creations. They're awesome. We've met them several times. Very, very cool. Blondie Hacks. Yes. Also cool. <laughs> yes. Rich at Lowen Designs. Also really cool. Absolutely. He's Corey. Also really cool. Rich I've met Corey. Here. Odin Leather Goods. Oh, yeah. I've never met Odin. Amazing. But he seems amazing really cool on Instagram. Yeah. Anyway, they're our top supporters. <laughs> Sorry I butchered your names, but we are really grateful for you. Thank you, guys. If anybody else wants to join uh, on Patreon, we would appreciate it. So go to patreon.com slash making it. And I don't know, I haven't looked to see if anybody left um, reviews after last week. But if you didn't, <laughs> will you please go leave a review on your podcast player of choice? Because apparently that makes a difference. I would love to see if it actually does make a difference. Uh, so that'd be cool. All right. You guys got something to recommend? Oh. I don't. So I need you to go so that I, I can I would find say something. check out uh, Jason over at Fireball Tools. I might have talked about Jason before, but Jason has an incredible collection of giant, super heavy, crazy industrial machines. He has, he, I think he he basically wins the the prize of cool, heavy machines. And he's moving from one shop to another. <laughs> and he did a video the other day where he's he's showing how he's moved some of his equipment, all of his equipment. And the equipment is unbelievable, like 10,000 pound machines. And how do you move a 10,000-pound machine with a forklift mm. that can pick up 10,000 pounds, which makes a forklift the size of a Mack truck? So it's uh, it's 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 just fun to watch. And Jason makes the fireball squares. I might have talked about him in the past. He makes, like, everything he makes yeah. is giant and heavy. And he's a, he's a great dude. We've hung out a few times. He's extremely nice and extremely skilled machinist. My pick is something uh, mm. you, maybe you've already seen. I don't care. Uh, it is Simone's newest video where she makes a the <laughs> DIY treehouse bed. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, she's. The, I'm not a fan of the bed in general as an adult. I don't. Uh, it, it looks like a bed for kids, but the, it's not for me. She's making a bed for herself, and it's. Uh, she does it all mostly on a CNC, but it's a. Uh, um, it's a really creative way, and she, her videos are just so good. I laughed out loud multiple times during this video, just the way she presents herself. So um, go check out Simone's DIY treehouse bed. Cool. Um, I literally don't have anything to recommend because I haven't watched anything (laughs) in a really long time. (laughs) Um, I'm like trying to look through my history here and it's, it's, if I've watched any videos, it's all the same stuff that I've How, how to build kitchen cabinets. I mean, that I've recommended. Yeah, it's a lot of that. It's like looking for specialized tips or anything. Um, and there, there's, I honestly don't have anything. And that's okay. No, I, actually I do. I'm looking back here. All right, so do you guys know, I can't remember his name. I've met him and I'm blanking on his name. The guy from Bourbon Moth Woodworking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I, I, I think his name is Jason. Is. Jason, okay, that, that's what I was thinking, but I thought that was wrong because you were talking about Jason <laughs> Fireball. Um, I stumbled across a video of his that's woodworking tricks that you'll actually use, and he's got a really silly, you know, presentation when he does these. Uh, apparently, there's three or four of these, or two or three of these uh, woodworking tricks, 
And I watched through it. I was like, oh, I wonder if there's anything in here that I've never seen. Tons of stuff in here I've never seen. He's very really skilled. Good, little... he's, he's unbelievably skilled. He does beautiful work. It's, yeah, I I was not familiar. I mean, I've seen him at like Workbench Con and stuff. I may have met him. I'm not, I don't remember if we actually met or if I just saw him. So I knew who he was, but I'd never seen any of his work or any of his videos or whatever. So I just saw this one, clicked on it. There's tons of good tips in it. Um, and this is one of several of this type of video, plus his furniture builds and stuff. So um, go check that out. Maybe we'll get some cool tricks and tips. Tricks and tips? Tips and tricks? Tricks? I guess you could say it either way. It sounds weird <laughs> one way. Tricks and tips? Tips. Why don't you go ahead and, and read that Patreon list again? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a great idea. No, thank you. Cool. All right. Well, uh, you guys got anything else this week? Mm-hmm. Looking forward to hearing your I, story uh, in the after show. Yeah. <clears throat> For exposure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Love you. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Love you guys. Thank, Thank you. you.